Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Tim Brooks. We're thrilled to have all of you join us on social media avenues, whatever they may be. We're praying God's blessings on you. Daniel chapter 2, we read King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he called Daniel in to interpret it. And Daniel tells the king, he says, God is showing you in a dream, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left up to other people. It shall consume all other kingdoms and it shall stand forever. When I read that, the God of heaven is going to set up a kingdom and then there were two statements that just clearly jumped out. Number one, it it can't be destroyed. This kingdom can't be destroyed. And then number two, it does not depend on anybody else doing anything else. It is a kingdom that doesn't depend on anybody and you and I can live there. You and I can live in the kingdom of God. Well, last week we started into living in the kingdom. I quickly saw I was not gonna have enough time to get into all that I wanted to get in. So the title today is Kingdom Living Part Two. So here we go, a quick recap before we get into what I want to talk about today. As we talked about last week, Jesus was teaching us to pray. And here's how you do it. Here's how you pray. You start off your prayer by praising God's name. We lift you up, we bless your name, hallowed be your name. We worship you, you're the name above all names. We bless your name. We start off praying by blessing God's name. Now, the very first thing that we're to pray for, the very first thing that we're to pray for, your kingdom come, help me out, your will be done where? On earth, how? As it is in heaven. Now, that's our prayer. When Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, well, there's two things you have to know. Number one, that's possible. Number two, it's what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus would have never told us to pray for something that was unattainable. He didn't say, I want you to pray that that you can flap your arms and fly like a bird. You're not made to do that. I want you to pray that you never have to have food or water. And boy, that'll just simplify your life. Well, he didn't teach us to pray that because those are not obtainable. They're not possible for life here on earth. But when he said your kingdom come, now get this, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven, you got to know that's possible. You got to know that's not only possible, that's expected. When Jesus said pray this prayer, we can get from that that his kingdom is to come. His kingdom is to come right here on earth right here, right now, during the time we walk on this earth. That means when you're at work. That means whenever you're vacationing. That means when you're out to eat. That means when you're entertaining. That means when you're at home. Your kingdom come right here, right now, today. Church, we are to live our daily lives here and now in his kingdom with his will being done just like it is in heaven. Our life on earth is to operate just like life in heaven. It's called kingdom living. It's called kingdom 
living. You know, when Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, yes, I am king, just not of this kingdom. You know, in this world, just not of this world. My kingdom is in a different place than you are relating to. Your life can be like heaven with his will being done in your daily life right here, right now. We're talking about a life of walking with the Lord that supersedes an hour on one day a week when you just go and sit in church. We're talking about a lifestyle that continues, a lifestyle that we live daily, living in the kingdom. Absolutely, one day our life will end here in the natural physical on this earth, but it just continues in heaven. Now, we are in this earth, we're just not of the way this world operates. Our prayer, Jesus said, on earth, our prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. Now let that soak in, let that soak in. Church, our life should not change much when we go to heaven. Our life shouldn't change just a whole lot when we go to heaven. Now, when we go to heaven, my back won't hurt, my knees won't hurt. So I'm looking forward to that. But as far as our level of peace, our level of joy, our level of blessings, our level of happiness, our level of life, it's not gonna change a whole lot if we are living his will on earth just like it is in heaven. Now the church taught for many generations when this weary life is over. We wrote songs about this weary life. We talked about this weary life being over. And then one day, oh, one day, we'll be dancing on those streets of gold when this weary life is over. Church, God's plan the way I read it in scriptures, we're to dance on the streets of gold right here. Yep. Right here, right now. You can experience heaven right here, right now in your daily life. His will being done in your life each and every day. God's plan is for you and I to live in heaven here on earth. Joy, peace, blessings, happiness, fulfillment. Your life here on earth is going to represent heaven. And it's that life that the lost see and want to have what you have. They don't want to come and live in a weary, miserable life like you're living in, waiting to die. Who wants to come to that? But I work with you, and I see you happy. I see you smiling. I see you enjoying life. I'm depressed. I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I've got a horrible home. I've got a horrible marriage. I've got horrible kids. I've got horrible finances. I see life working for you. I want what you got. I want, see, that's how the lost are one to the Lord, not by coming to church and being told how miserable life is here. They come to know the Lord because they want what you have. Now, they come to church and they learn to live in the kingdom of God. They learn to live in kingdom living. But what brought them to Jesus is seeing the way your life has so dramatically changed. We talked about this all last week. And if you were not here for last week, I want you to go back and listen to part one of this because I want to move into some specifics. I want to get some practical, applicable, some one, two, threes for us. Every kingdom has a culture. 
Every kingdom has a culture, and the kingdom of God is no different. The culture of a kingdom is the way you're expected to live there, the way you live there. We talked about last week, some countries drive on the left side of the road, some countries drive on the right side of the road. That's the way you do in that culture. The question that we've been asking ourselves, are we more influenced and directed by the culture of the world? Or are we more influenced and directed by the kingdom of God and its culture? That's what we're looking into. There are seven things that identify a kingdom's culture. There are seven things that stand out that identify a kingdom's culture. And I want you to write these seven words down because I want you to ponder them in the days to come. Number one, the first thing that identifies a kingdom and its culture is values. Every culture has or manifests itself, reveals itself in the values of that culture. Values, those are things that a society regards as valuable, as worth protecting, as worth fighting for, as worth defending, as worth passing on. The values of a culture show that culture. Now we ask, what is very important to me? What is very important to me? Right now, as of the last few weeks, big battle. There's been some protests outside churches. There's a big battle going on about the Roe versus Wade issue. Some of y'all are keeping up with this battle. For some... They value the right to abortion. Every woman should be able to have an abortion. We value that. It's worth fighting for. It's worth defending. It's worth passing on. It's valuable that every woman is able to exterminate her baby. That's valuable. Well, for others, when Roe versus Wade was passed through the era of the 60s and the early 70s, we didn't have ultrasound. Medical technology was not where it is back then. And that was just a blob to people. That, that, wasn't even, that wasn't anything to even consider. Now, with medical science coming in, hold on, we weren't aware that a real live person, yep, y'all understand, we weren't aware of what we were doing with that. Whoa, we've become aware through science now, we need to write this wrong. We, we need, what's valuable to a culture is for us to stop this. That's a value. That's a value. So we ask ourselves, what is worth protecting, worth defending, worth fighting for? See, what's value to you that reveals your kingdom? Do you value marriage between one man and one woman? Do you understand that was the very first institution that God established all else is built on the marriage union between a man and a woman. I see the value of that. I see the value of that in our culture, in our society. I see the basis of all of life coming out of that. I could go on and on and on about what that institution does for society. And I value that. I value a work ethic. The Bible said if you don't work, that's, that's okay. You don't have to work, just don't eat. But if you want to eat, then get you a job. See, we value a work ethic because God put us here to bear fruit and to bear much fruit. 
And because I understand God's thinking, then I value a hard, hard work ethic, providing for yourself and providing for your family. That's something that I value. See, you value a sense of responsibility. Don't just leave the windows down and it rains in your car. You don't leave the lights on. You don't leave the heat on in one room and air conditioning on in another room and open the window because you're hot. See, well, there's a sense of responsibility here. Come on, get some responsibility. We value responsibility. As a Christian who lives their life in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, there are things that we value. Let me tell you, we value honesty. Honesty. That is of high value to us. In the world we live in, no longer is that a value. When a political party wants to further their agenda, they just make up a lie and just keep telling it till everybody believes it, and that's a lie. When a political party does not want someone appointed to the Supreme Court, then we lie. We fabricate stories and lies about what he did, what she said, where they were, and that, that's all a lie. But see, a lie is okay. That's what you do. You lie to get your agenda done. See, because your agenda is more important than honesty, so we care less about honesty. I've got to get this agenda accomplished. But for a Christian, honesty is of higher value than anything else. Anything. Let me just tell you, I, I'm in the horse business. I sell horses. And you can just write this down 100% of the time you can make more money on a horse if you lie about it. If you say and convince somebody it'll do things that it won't do, that it's capable of doing things that it's not capable of, if you will lie about a horse, then you can sell it for more money. So I want more money. That's in a goal of mine. That's an agenda of mine. So just lie about this horse and get more money. But see, for a Christian, honesty is more important than the horse bringing more money. I'll take less money for the horse because I value honesty more than I value more money for the horse. See, you, you, you get into a place where your values begin to change. We value honesty more than any sale, more than any agenda, we value honesty. As a Christian, living in God's kingdom, we value integrity. You can depend on God's word. What God said, you can write it down. So you can depend on God's word. So to live in God's kingdom, your word is everything. You value integrity more than anything else. And so when I say, I will be there Tuesday at 10 o'clock, here's what you can know. At five minutes until 10, I'm gonna be walking in the door because I value what I said. Does that make sense? You value your integrity. It's far more important to me than anything else that comes up that I said 10 o'clock, I'm there at five minutes until because I value integrity. Nothing is more important to me than what I said I was gonna do because I have a high value on integrity. Now, just side note, be careful about what you say. Be careful about, tell your son, I'm gonna take you fishing Saturday. See, you tell your wife, I'm gonna take you on a vacation. Here's where we're gonna go, gonna go. See, you tell someone that you're working for, I'm gonna handle this. I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it, I'll do it. I'll handle that. Be careful about what you say because your integrity 
is on the line. And here's what you can know. When you tell your son you're going to take him fishing Saturday, write this down. Something will come up. Every day of your life, things come up. That's what life is, is made up of things coming up. Oh, uh, we can't. Something come up. Whatever comes up is not more important than what I said I was going to do. I said I'd be there at 10, but I showed up at 1130. Something came up. Whatever came up, you'll have to wait. I'm leaving talking to you at 930 because it's a 20-minute drive from me to there, and I will be there at 10 o'clock. This conversation is over. I value my 10 o'clock appointment more than I value talking to you and just keeping on and keeping on and keeping on. Are you hearing this? We value integrity. Something will always come up. Do you have integrity as a high value for you in your life? The question is, do you value what God values? To live in the kingdom that he has set up that's not going to be destroyed, where you live in peace and blessings and joy, you have to value what God values. Number two, seven things that identify what kingdom you're in. Number two is your priorities. Every culture manifests itself in the priorities of those who live there. In much of the Western culture, money is the priority. Money is the priority. The kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 24, said nobody can serve two masters. You, you can't serve two masters. It, it won't work out. As a person living in the kingdom of God, do your priorities reflect the kingdom of God living? Your priorities your priorities. Ask yourself, what is a priority for you? Is church attendance a priority? Because something always comes up. Every Saturday night, I can find a reason why we can't go tomorrow morning, but church is a priority. Here's what you can know. Sunday morning, I'll be in church. Here's what you can know. If we're out of town, Sunday morning, we'll be in a church. We value, see, we prioritize we make church a value. We make church a priority for us. Reading the word, I got a Bible that sits by my chair with my glasses on it. And it's not anywhere else in the house because I will lose interest if I have to find it. I've just got a separate Bible that sits right by my chair with glasses on them because I don't want to spend an hour looking for glasses. I'm out of the mood to read the Bible by the time I find them. Right there by my chair is my Bible and my glasses. Why? Because I got a priority in reading the Bible before I leave the house every morning. See, regarding prayer, is that a priority for you? Is having strong, godly friends, is that a priority for you? Absolutely. I can move from hot springs and I can go and work in some bigger town and I can make more money there. Well, What's a priority for me is not making money. What's a priority for me is where does God have me? God, where do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? And where do you want me to be? See, what God has for me makes my decisions, not the fact that I can make more money over in this town. I'm all for you making more money, but I don't want to move because I can't make more money. I want to move because this is what God has for me. Priorities, priorities. Before spending money on what you want, when you're walking through the store, before buying that, spending money on it, are your bills paid? Is paying your bills a priority for you? We live in a wonderful world. 
credit cards. You can just swipe that credit card and walk out of the store and not have no money. And you can eat, swipe the card and walk out of the store and not pay. At the first of the month when they send that bill, here's what you need to know. You ate. You left with that commodity. Now, if you don't send the check to them, what the Bible says is you stole. You're a thief. If you're not paying your bills. So what's a priority for me is to make sure that I'm not stealing. What's a priority for me is make sure I'm not a thief. I got money in my pocket and I want that item on the... But the first of next week, my rent's due. And so I'm not going to buy that because I need to keep this money because it's a priority for me that I'm not one minute late paying my rent. I'm a day early paying my house payment, not five days late. See, it's a priority. As a Christian living in the kingdom of God, you make a priority out of doing what you're supposed to do. The question is, are your priorities God's priority? Uh, we've talked about this some in this church. I love those sermons when it's fever pitch. I'm getting amens, hankies are waving, and I love those. But I want you to know I've been doing this a really long time. So I mentally prepare myself as I'm reading my notes. This ain't a white hanky sermon. You're going to be preaching in a funeral home. Everybody's going to be staring at the floor, not even making eye contact. So don't feel bad for me because I'm mentally prepared for where we are right now. You just stare at the floor, act like I'm talking to somebody else, and we'll get through this. It's like going to the doctor and getting a shot. Just give it to me. I'll get through this as quickly as I can. Number three, behavior. No, rats. Every person reveals its culture by their behavior. Write down Ephesians 4, 25 through the rest of the chapter there. Countless places we could turn to read about our behavior. How do you act? How do you act? It's not just going to church. How do you act in the middle of the day? How do you act when you're disappointed? How do you act when something you tried didn't work? How do you act when you competed and you didn't win? How do you act when you got a call that you didn't deserve? How, see, what is your behavior? Not just at church on Sunday morning, but what is your behavior? What is your behavior when you're told no? That's tough. See, I like those dead silent moments. It's awkward. But when you're a really good speaker, you use awkward moments to make a point. How do you, okay, let's try this again. How do you react when you're told no? Is your behavior like God's word says it's to be? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't behave like the rest of the world. You behave like God's word says for us to behave. Just ask yourself, what do you personally value? What are your priorities? What does your behavior look like? These reveal where you live. These reveal where you live. We're given seven things that reveal the kingdom you're living in. Number four is your standards. Standard is a measurement. And every culture has standards of how they expect people 
to treat others, how they expect people to live. See, every culture has standards. In Mark chapter 9, it, it was shocking. There was some argument over greatness. This one's going to be great. He's going to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest. You want to be the greatest. Okay, so how are we going to measure? How are we going to measure greatness? And Jesus then says, you measure greatness by your serving. You measure greatness by your desire to serve other people. Years and years ago, I was with a guy that I knew in a big city, young man, married, young kids. He said, Tim, I'm going to tell you what I do every single morning, every, every single morning. It takes me about 15 minutes longer to drive this way, but I drive through the richest, and there was a rich, rich, rich section of this town. And he said, every single morning, I take 15 minutes longer, and I drive through the rich section of town to see their houses, to see their cars, because that's where I get my drive for the day. Whew. And I thought, wow, wow, what an empty, what an empty source to drive you. Because when you get a big house, somebody's gonna build a bigger one next to you. Then you're a big fat loser. When you buy a brand new car and you drive it home, it's got miles on it, and then you got somebody else that has a brand new car. See, then how many houses? Okay, when you make a million, then somebody else has two million. So uh, you, you, your standard of measurement, Jesus said, look here, serve, serve, serve. Whatever you do, serve people. If you put on roofs, serve people that have leaks in their roof. Help people solve their problem. Help people solve their crisis. And the more people you serve, the greater you'll become. The, the greater you will become. See, it's a different standard of measurement. Then right in the middle of this conversation, Jesus reaches over and picks up a little kid. Are you kidding me? Little children, they were to be sold. They were property. They were to be kept out of the way. And Jesus then starts talking about becoming like one of these. See, there's a standard of measurement in the kingdom of God that does not fit in the measurement of the world. What is your standard of greatness? What is your measurement? Is it the size of the car? Is it the size of the house? Is it amount of money? Or is it a measurement of how I can serve other people? How can I serve and bless other people? Standard is a unit of measurement. I'm just asking, how do you measure success? The fifth one, write this word down, celebrations. Well, all through the Old Testament, we read about celebrations and festivals. What a society celebrates, that's what the society elevates. See, you celebrate what you will elevate. And now, as of late, we now have gay pride celebrations. We have Mother Earth Day. You know, we evolved from the earth. The earth is our mother. We want to worship the earth. We want to worship our mother. So we have Mother Earth Day. We have winter solstice celebration. And now as of the last few years, we've got new celebrations that are popping up. They're demanding the government to recognize this date, recognize this date. We want to weave those dates into our national celebrations because what we celebrate, that's what we elevate. See, for those living in the kingdom of God, Christmas is a big celebration for us. 
See, Easter is a big celebration for us. Good Friday is a big celebration for us. But what we want to do is quickly replace Easter with spring break. What we want to, are you hearing this? We want to replace Christmas with winter break from school because we want to remove those celebrations and institute these celebrations because what you celebrate is what you elevate in your own life. Look at your celebrations and what do you celebrate? Number six, morality. One of the clearest indicators of the nature and the health of a culture is the morality of it. We got prostitution advertised on TV. Come to our city because what happens here stays here. Your wife and family won't know anything about it. Adultery is certainly okay. Everybody does that. Oh, we're so good at this. Our society now has pornography at the touch of a finger so that our little children can enjoy pornography on their phones, in their bedroom, by themselves. With a touch of a finger, we, our little children, can enjoy pornography. Our morality in grade school, teachers are being taught how to demonstrate in a class how to use sexual protection for our kids to make sure that we watch out and that we're protected in the act of sex. And we're gonna teach that in our elementary schools. See, what's going on here? Morality, morality. Gambling is just gambling. And in the midst of difficult economic times, the casinos are full. You drive by ours out here on, on Highway 7 and that parking lot was jam packed with cars and with people. When Proverbs talks about Proverbs talks all about it, a desire to get without a desire of giving. Our financial economic system is based on the more you give, the more you will get. Well, the desire to get money without doing anything for it is clearly not in God's kingdom. That's not in God's kingdom. I want to get money and I don't want to do anything for it. But we could talk on and on and on about how anti-kingdom of God that gambling is in its thinking and what it's doing to a society. The kingdom of heaven has 10 clear moral directives. They're in Exodus chapter 20, if you haven't referred to them. If for some reason you don't have a Bible, nor can you read your Bible or find Exodus 20, pull over to the side of the road and you can see them engraved in stone right out there in our entrance. We got the 10 directives right out here in a stone. Here's what God says your morality centers around. The question, what is okay with you? What is okay with you? That's okay with me. I mean, that's their thing. What is okay with you? Next question, is that okay with God? Is that okay with God? I want you to write down 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I want you to read that whole chapter. Romans chapter 1, I want you to read that chapter. Well, Tim, I'm just okay with it. Tim, that's their business, and if that's what they want to do, I'm just okay with it. It's the times that we're in. Oh, Tim, everybody. See, before you say those kind of things to me, Here's what you need to know about me. I am not okay with what God said he hates. You can just know that. I am not okay with what God says is an abomination. So I'm not okay with that. 
I don't care what argument you have, I'm not okay with what God says he forbids. Okay, you don't have an argument for me because I'm not okay with what God curses. Count me out, big boy. If God's blessings are not on it, I can't outrun his curses. You can't hide from them. And I'm not in. See, a person's morality identifies their kingdom. Number seven. See, I like to give points. I told you there were seven points. Now we're at number seven. We're almost done. See, it's an indication. Relationships. Number seven, relationships. A nation reveals its culture by who it makes alliances with. Now, we're a friend of Israel. We make alliance with Israel. And when we have a president who wants to make an alliance with a terroristic, heathen country, I want you to know, for me as a pastor, I avoid political issues. I'm not controversial in my speaking. So I'm going to avoid this hot topic. But I just want to say, when you turn your back as a nation on Israel and you make an alliance with a terroristic heathen country, you have clearly said, here is the kingdom I'm living in. Here is where my priorities are. You got to be kidding me. Your relationships are everything. And here's what you can know. I don't even have to know that person. Tell me all of their best friends and I can tell you about them. See, who do you find as best friends? Who are your known friend group? Who do you hang with? I don't ever have to even see you, but I can tell all about a person by who they hang with, who they align themselves with. In New York City, when you walk into Chinatown, you feel just like you're in China. Down in Miami, when you walk in the Cuban district of Miami, you feel just like you're in Cuba. Here's a question. When people walk into your presence, when they walk into your house, do they feel like they're in heaven? By the tone of voice, by the level of joy, by the level of peace, by the happiness, by what's in your presence, by what's in your house, do people feel like they have just walked into heaven because we're to have heaven on earth just like it is in heaven. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. Well, are all of your best friends seeking first the kingdom of God? As a Christian, our goal is to live life here and now on earth just like it is in heaven. We're seeking first that life. We're seeking first the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. There are seven things that will always, seven things will always identify what kingdom you are living in. Your values, your priorities, your behavior, your standards, your celebration, your morality, and your relationships. To live in the kingdom of God, make sure that daily these seven areas are not being conformed to the lost world, but that these seven areas are directed by God in your life. Y'all stand with me. Lord God, today we give you thanks for direction for our life. 
as we live our life in your kingdom, as we see your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven, as we see your will being done on earth in our life just like it is in heaven, Lord, with these seven directives, may we find each one of those in aligning up with you, that our values are your values, that our priorities are your priorities. We celebrate what you celebrate. God, in every area, we align ourselves with you and what you think is important. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.